lesser quality of reality that's dependent upon mind, which automatically must have a more primal or primary quality of reality. Ultimately, you know, however you go about discovering it, philosophically and analytically or whether through meditation, mind is just another one of these projections that we call projection of mind. You know what I mean? So everything, everything has this, uh, it's on the one hand, it's an illusion because it's a projection. Self is an illusion. The world of things the way they seem to be to us is an illusion. Because all of these appearances of self and of things are created by mind. But the the mind that creates them, when we take it as an object and examine it and begin to treat it as if it's real. Well, the truth is, it it is an illusion in the same sense that everything else is. It, in the sense that it's dependent, and we don't have a direct experience of what it's dependent upon. There, there is an, an ultimate, and that ultimate is just simply the fact of conscious existence, no matter what we are conscious of. And somehow all the things that we're conscious of come out of are an elaboration of that consciousness. But the consciousness itself is is not a, is not a is not it, it, it's ephemeral. The ephemeral consciousness is the consciousness that perceives an object that arises and passes away. But behind that, I mean, just. At the deepest level, what is what what is there that has any certainty at all? And you can uh, you can look at everything and say, well, that doesn't really exist, and that doesn't in this sense, you know, and it's all by definition. These things don't exist because they're made up of parts. These things don't exist because they're a result of causes and conditions. And these things don't really exist because they're just projections of my mind. And things aren't really this way because it's just the way I see them. And you can look and look and look, and everywhere you look, if you look closely enough, it dissolves into a kind of, well, this isn't really ultimately real. But in doing that, you can easily lose sight of the one fundamental thing, which is you can't say there's no such thing as 
existence. Because in the sense that it's a word that has absolutely any meaning at all, there is that, right? There is something other than complete and total non-existence, right? And then when you look, you say, the only sense in which that word does have any meaning at all is in the sense of there being this uh, knowing of it, this luminous quality of the mind. You know, we, when we turn away from something, we feel, we assume that it still exists over there. And that's, that's the projection. But the only thing we really know is, uh, uh, is our experience, our conscious experience. You know, if you put your attention on the sensations in your left foot right now, oh, they're there. And you assume that they were there a few minutes ago before you directed your attention to them. But that's an assumption only. Maybe they were, maybe they weren't. But the only thing that has any reliable certainty is the existence of conscious awareness in the present moment. Whatever the objects of that conscious awareness happen to be, when we look, we realize are dependent upon many different factors and not substantially reliable. So, I see someone as a Buddha, or I see someone as a a criminal. Um, That's not substantially reliable. That is, how do I see the experience I have of, of perception in the moment is due to causes and conditions, and it's totally uh, insubstantial from its own side. You know, somebody comes up and gives me different information and all of a sudden this person that I see as a Buddha, I see them in a totally different way. Or I see as a criminal, I see them in a totally different way. And we know that. That happens all the time. And however we happen to see them in the first place it depends on all of our conditioning and even the mood we're in and everything else. So the one certainty that we have is this, is the existence in the present moment of this clear, light mind of knowing. And whenever, as soon as that becomes the duality of knowing what, knowing this, knowing something, we see that on the one hand we have this that is, it's fundamental. You can't go any further or any deeper or any more fundamental. To, you know, if you define what's real in terms of whether it's made up of parts or whether it's dependent upon causes and conditions, this isn't. It's beyond time and space. It just is. There's no parts to it. There's nothing behind it. There's, it's just. It is fundamentally all that you come to. But in the in the instance that it becomes a duality of consciousness of knowing 
this or knowing what or so forth. That object is born of mind and it's dependent. And it is empty of any self-existent reality. It is entirely dependent. Uh, and something as complex as a human being and something as complex as a value judgment and conceptualization like this is a Buddha or this is a, a, a criminal, it's easy to see the emptiness of that, right? I mean, it's pretty self-evident. Um, and recognizing that, then we can look at everything else that makes up our experience and say, to what degree is the same emptiness true of all of these other things? And what we find is that there is a sense in which that emptiness is true of all of those other, all of these other things. That a chariot is a chariot because we see it as a chariot. It's actually a collection of parts. If we take one of those parts like a wheel, we see it as a wheel in our minds, but it actually consists of a bunch of atoms. And we can see one of those atoms as substantially real, but we can keep on dissecting it down and down and down. And so where is the substantial reality in any of this? It's only the way our mind is perceiving it that we happen to see it as a chariot in the first place. So we discover that there is this emptiness in, in all of the things that we see. Which gives us a lot of latitude in how we look at people and when we catch ourselves regarding them as Buddhas or criminals. It gives us latitude when we start becoming attached to our brand new chariot, we realize it's just a bunch of bits and pieces that happen to be together in a particular way, and those same bits and pieces are going not going to stay that way. So there's no point really being attached to it too much. That's helpful to us. But then we turn inward, and uh, we find this mind and this, and this sense of self, because all of the things that we're doing and, and all of the suffering that we're experiencing keeps coming back to this idea that this self has its own substantial reality. And we need to understand the emptiness of that. When you look at the world and it seems to be substantially, self-existently real. And we can examine an object, like a rock. And at that simple level, two things. We can recognize that the rockness of it is dependent upon our way of seeing it that in an ultimate sense it's made up of atoms. But that's of only limited useful and value to under, usefulness and value to understand that. It just simply opens up our mind and maybe helps us 
when we start to understand the more important aspect of emptiness keeps us from falling back into the belief in substantial reality because if we can understand the sense in which even a rock is a projection of our mind because a rock is only a rock when beings like us look at it, feel it, and pick it up. You know, um, the same, exactly the same atoms put together in exactly the same way that lodged in the center of the mountain is not a rock. But we can still see it as a rock. And then we put it out so it's surrounded by air instead of mountain, and, and that's how we normally see it as a rock. Other kinds of beings would perceive it as a rock, and its ultimate reality is just made up of little parts. Now, as soon as we've got this rock, though, it becomes either a nice rock or an ugly rock, a valuable rock or a useless rock, or a rock that I want or one that I have no use for. Right? Immediately, you know, we start to add more and more to this. The importance of emptiness is that when we go through the world and we find ourselves being made happy by this experience and being made sad by this experience and getting upset by this thing that one person says and feeling depressed when we look at a a situation and see, well, this is probably going to happen and isn't that terrible. When we find ourselves doing all of that, this this is the real value of understanding emptiness is you realize wait a minute, none of this has to be perceived in this way. The world situation is not necessarily from its own side independently depressing. I don't have to feel terrible because some person's mouth went blah, 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 and some vibrations happened in the air and went into my ear. and all of these other kinds of things, you begin to realize that the only reason that you're experiencing it the way you are is because your mind is conditioned to project it in that way, and, and not just project it in that way, but react to it in that way. Your mind projects the world situation, and then your mind says, Aha! That's the way it really is. Okay, what we should do in response is feel bad about it. Okay, now I feel terrible. Right? (laughs) So your mind makes it up, and then your mind decides, based on its conditioning, what's the logical emotional response, and you feel either happy or miserable because of it. So that's that's emptiness. That's, That's emptiness. Well... We can look at it and say, okay, well, my mind is doing it. And then we can start doing the same thing. Well, my mind is substantially real. And I'm substantially real. And why does my real mind make my real self feel so bad by doing this thing? Well, there you see you've lost it again, right? You see what I mean? You're right back into the same thing. You've, just, you've taken it from out there and in here. Now it's all in here, but it's the same thing. It's, there's still a me, and now my mind's doing it to me. You know? So, yes. This, this is this way because my mind created it this way. Wow, I've got such a great mind. I am so lucky. Okay, it's so beautiful. 
Well, that's fine until an hour later when it's all terrible. So that's a trap too. So when you say my mind created it all, you're not really, I mean, you've lost the essence of, of emptiness. It, it is. Mind is like, uh, you think of it as a substance that permeates uh, the universe of whatever the universe happens to be. It's kind of unknowable, but there's this stuff called mind. And it doesn't belong to you and it's not yours, but this is what mind does. And this is how mind works. And one of the things a mind does is generate the sense of self. You know, and then everything else starts to unfold out of that out of that particular fabrication. But if you come back to what is ultimately real, consciousness, pure awareness, that is the only self-existent thing, called the clear light mind, there is no self in it and there is no other in it. And it creates, out of it comes everything else what we call mind and all of this other kind of stuff comes out of it. And when we understand that, then one of the first things we can do, a first step towards being liberated, is to stop identifying with this particular local individual mind and which is just a set of processes and a set of conditions that drive it you know prior conditions that drive it stop identifying with that and begin identifying with just the pure consciousness that knows it and stop thinking of that as me and mine but realize that that's all there is is just just this pure consciousness and it's not divided into part there's not my pure consciousness and your pure consciousness that's all there is and everything else arises out of that and returns to that and and isn't separate from that and then at the very least you're more in a position to enjoy the movie. <laughs> and enjoying the movie can include the, the sharing in the, in the joy of the scene that the movie portrays, or appreciating the pathos of the scene that the movie portrays. But not forgetting that it's a movie. And what's really real is just this present moment, this consciousness that, as far as you can tell, has always been there, 
and never changes and, and gets the opportunity to see the movie, enjoy the movie, appreciate the wonder of the movie. That there is something called mind, whatever it is, it doesn't really matter, that creates this world, whatever it is, doesn't really matter. And it's absolutely wonderful if you can not be caught in the value judgment of it related to how it benefits you or doesn't or how it makes you feel good or makes you feel bad. And just be in the awe and the wonder of what it is to to be consciousness experiencing this. Well, I understand all that intellectually. Mm-hmm. But and but it, it, it seems that there are very few people who have come to the place where they've actually experienced that and can pull it up constantly. So I think that, that a lot of the the paths uh, that are, are are made up to to have to remind you all the time mm-hmm. to that that exists that that emptiness that that's the the ultimate goal I mean seeing emptiness directly once you've had that experience which I haven't had uh, you can you can pull that up mm-hmm. uh, I'm sure a lot more easily than than most of us that haven't seen that because um, so there, I, I think there, are the reasons there are vows and and different other tools to cause people to constantly examine their thoughts, yes, and see their thoughts and why they're you know to you know to have a, a standard that you go by, mm-hmm. so that you're not just all off in the place and resenting this and mm-hmm. feeling bad about this and, and being upset about this and having this idea and that idea and getting all caught up in the whole world that um, to me that's the reason for meditation and for constantly checking yourself mm-hmm. where your mind is where your thoughts are yeah. you I- know okay so I'm unhappy about something I mean, it doesn't help me if, you know, if I have my mind stuck on something Mm -hmm. that I don't like, Mm -hmm. I can't sometimes just immediately say, oh, it's all empty, so I don't, it's gone out of my mind. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have to work on it. Mm -hmm. I have to to go and meditate on it. I have to think about it. Where did this come from? How did I get that way? What, you know, what caused me? Was it my karma? Was it was it something somebody told me? You know how how did I? Why why am I stuck on this thing? Why am why am I uh, unhappy about something I did? I mean I I think um, I've been feeling like we need tools mm-hmm. and tools beside meditation. 
Oh yeah. Not yeah. just meditation, but but yeah. other tools to um, a daily practice where you're going through these things. To me, is um, has has been very helpful for me. But I mean, I'm I'm not the state where you are, where I can just say everything is just marvelous mm-hmm. all the time, you know. Because uh, we're 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 trying to get there, mm-hmm. isn't that what, what what our whole aim is? Trying yeah. to get to the place where we can be a Buddha, yeah. where we can where mm-hmm. we can see things without seeing it bad or good or this way or that way, but just there, mm-hmm. just is, as it is, is as it is. And it, it's uh, it, it's the only way to be happy. And in the meantime, you know, as, as Dalai Lama says, um, everybody wants to be happy and nobody wants to have pain. So how do we get to that state? We have to use certain techniques, <coughs> I think, to get to that to get to that place. Mm-hmm. Yes, you do. And to use those techniques effectively, you've got to... The, the, the trouble with all of the techniques is it is so easy for the mind to appropriate those techniques and turn them into just doing the same old thing it's always done with them. So, uh, and that's that's actually the biggest challenge of all. Well, the situation is to use as a metaphor for this. You you are pure consciousness experiencing whatever the mind has to generate. The way you perceive things is is. is you know, your your mind produces mind produces that, and let's stop saying your mind, mind. Not you. You are just the the pure light of awareness that sees, and whatever you see is what mind produces. So, how do you make mind produce a different kind of object? Um, since it's actually the mind itself that has to change what the mind is doing. And basically, as, as I can understand it, there's two different approaches you can take to that. One is you can learn practices which caused the mind to stop doing that. The mind stops creating the world. But the awareness does not stop. And so afterwards, this same mind knows something that it didn't know before. And so now, when the mind starts to 
and turns back on and starts creating reality, it creates it in a, a different way. The perception that happens is different because the mind stopped and the knowledge of the reality that's there when the mind stops creating changes the mind. And that's the experience that uh, that's associated with people having, you know, this one particular thing that happens that uh, their mind suddenly does something different. You know, they experience nirvana. They see the true nature of reality. They understand emptiness. They understand no self, things like that. But all of these understandings happen afterwards. What happens is just a moment of pure awareness. And the mind now takes the data of that and says, oh, wow, does its thing. It's like mind is like a machine, and now it produces a different result. And the result it produces instead of attachment to self is understanding of selflessness. Instead of attachment to self-existent appearances, which it continues to create, but is understanding of their emptiness. The other way, the other way that seems that uh, this can get to is that it's all about making the mind do what it's doing in a different way. And so you can say, well, you know, uh, to put it in simple terms, though, the other approach is is to say, well, how would an enlightened being that's already had this experience see this situation? You know, how would an enlightened being, how would an enlightened being's mind produce a perception in the present moment? So you find yourself, and that's what you're talking about. You find yourself suffering. And if you analyze it, oh, this is why, blah, 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 you're not really going to succeed in this goal here. And the mind's just doing what it's always done. It's just elaborating a new story. But if you can say, huh, this this is purely a, a result of the machinations of the mind, and it is exactly the way it is, because... You know, the, because the mind—it's like a, a machine, and it produces depends on what goes into it and what its program is, what product it has. And so, what I'm experiencing right now is is uh, empty. It's a product of my uh, conditioning, my karma, because that's what karma really means. Karma is the way we condition our minds. So. Um, it's a, it's a result of, of our karma. The result of the way my mind has been conditioned and programmed has produced this. And it's produced this feeling to go along with it. But it's not it's not really real. So if you can keep if you can keep trying to uh, if if let's put it, if words are sore, if your mind can be trained to keep trying to create alongside of its ordinary picture of things, the picture of things that it would have had it had this experience of, of the mind stopping and direct perception of reality, then after a while 
these two become more and more the same thing and you begin to have the same kind of experience. And, of course, these are two different paths to the same result, but they shouldn't be separated from one, one from the other because the more you can train your mind to see things the way an enlightened mind would see things, the easier it is for that moment to come when your mind stops and actually does see things that way. And likewise, no, you know, it could take forever. Well, maybe not forever. It could take a long, long, long time if you have to achieve this by just demanding that your mind create two images. This is the way I see things, and this is the way Buddha would see things. This is the way I see things. You know, gradually that'll work, but it can take a long, long, long time for it. It helps enormously if you have a practice that focuses the mind, clears the mind, makes these processes by which the mind is doing it really, really crystal clear. It really incredibly speeds up that process of merging the view, while at the same time leading you to the point where all of a sudden you look at things and say, this whole illusion that I'm looking at right now, it, it's an illusion and I keep grasping at it as real and it just keeps leaving me unsatisfied and unhappy and your mind just says no and turns away. And what does it see when it turns it away? It sees reality the way it really is. So that's how I would basically explain the the two paths. They support each other. And to the degree to which either one can succeed on its own, maybe they can, but it seems to me that it's the combination of them that is the surest path. The two paths? The one path is asking the mind to uh, asking the mind to create two images of things, which is what it's just what you're doing when you find yourself unhappy about something and then you remind yourself, well, it's really empty. It's, uh, uh, you, know, you remind yourself that it's empty. You remind yourself, oh, okay, it's my karma that I'm having this experience. Okay. It's, it's because of the way I've thought and felt and reacted in the past that now I'm in this situation and now I'm feeling that way. So you're, you're asking your mind to create the two images and try to learn to do it. And, and it takes quite a while just to get good at creating, you know, uh, to, to, there's, there's the one that comes easily. This, well, this bad thing happened, and of course I feel miserable about it because it's, it's a bad thing that happened to me. And the other one is understanding it in terms of emptiness and karma. There's a lot of work involved in that. It does work. But, you know, that's the one I need. That's the one path. And the other path is training the mind so that you can come to that point of just penetrating through the illusion and actually having that direct experience of what the reality is when the mind stops fabricating. You know? and, and the reality is there all of the time. It's part of every moment of consciousness. In every moment of consciousness, the ultimate reality of 
pure conscious awareness and, and the uh, and the fact that everything else is fabricated is a part of every experience. And so it's never more than an instant away. But the denser the image the mind creates of things as the way we usually perceive them, self and other, substantially real, relatively enduring, then, you know, we can't see. It's, it's too dense. It's too opaque. And so the other way of, you know, okay, okay, this is, I see it this way, but it's empty. I see I'm experiencing it this way, but it's my karma. That's a way of making it less dense, trying to make it less dense. So, does this make sense to you? Well, we have to talk more. Well. <laughs> but that's, that's good for now. Yeah. So... While you're sharing this, I'm remembering a day last week in the library when a woman walked into the library with this perfume. So this essence permeated the whole library. And I was watching myself have like an opinion about that. Mm -hmm. I had this opinion, I had that opinion. And then all of a sudden, something just dropped out of that and I was just there grateful to be observing the mind that saw it that way. Yes. And so every time an experience like that happens, what I'm doing is, I think, this is my question, is building on that ability to be the watcher instead of attach myself. Yes. Yeah, and it's, it's that simple. That's right. It's that. It's that simple. That was amazing yeah. for me. It's, it's always there. The, the fact that it's just, it, it's just your mind generating. It's always there. It's just a question of seeing it, you know. Uh, and you know, one analogy that is used is like if you go to a movie and you look at the screen and everything seems real on it, right? Or knowing that it's a movie and it still looks real but it doesn't keep you from knowing that you know there's there's no lions and tigers there or whatever it happens to be it's just well and then taking that whole sense to the things that arise in your real life Mm -hmm. so that you can just go It is what it is, right? That's right. It is what it is. And that's that's the thing. Whatever you're saying, there's no escaping from it. You know, that is the object of consciousness of the moment. And the reason that it is, it, it is not in the moment. It's It's in the past. And so it is what it is. No matter what you, what you, no matter how your mind chooses to react to it or feel about it, it is what it is. And the more your mind resists it, then the unhappier you're going to be. <laughs> mm-hmm. But 
it can always change, and it can change just like that. And if you can let go of your resistance, then all of a sudden the pain is gone, or the suffering is gone. And it, and it just is what it is, rather than it is what it is and I hate it. <laughs> well, and in meditation, if, if it's my goal to come here and escape anything, or to get rid of my thoughts, that is sure not going to happen. That's right. <laughs> in fact, it's going to be just the opposite of that. But if you, if I can just sit here and let it be, then eventually I get to that place that is just like, yeah. I can't even describe it. You know, it's just, I guess, clear is the closest I can come to it. And it's expansive. Yeah. You know, but... If I start wanting it? Yeah, well, I. <laughs> that's right. Wanting it and pursuing it is the antithesis of having it. You were originally saying that it's so hard to see beyond the apparent substantial reality. And just knowing that and reminding yourself will do the job as long as you don't let your mind appropriate that process of knowing it and reminding yourself and turn it into another part of the whole storytelling thing that keeps you from seeing it the way it really is. And that's that, that's bottom line, that's all just that's always that's always the danger. Our our minds our minds exist for the purpose of doing that and they're so good at it. <laughs> A mind is a machine for creating the story of who you are. (laughs) Well, we'll talk more about it whenever you want. You don't want to talk more about it now, so we'll talk more about it. Thank you so much. So, shall we sit for a little while?